so great to be with you this morning. My name is Pastor Nick Newman. If you are here for the first time, I want to say welcome. Man, we consider it an honor and a privilege to get to worship with you today. And I'm not the only one who's grateful that you're here. Church, can you help me welcome every person here for the first time? Come on. Come on. Well, we're excited. So we are in uh, week two of a message series called Lost and Found. And the whole purpose of this series is to help you and I understand how God works. In Luke chapter 15, God has been giving us three parables. Jesus has sat down to tell a story. And last week we covered uh, chapter one, or we covered, sorry, Luke chapter 15 in the first seven verses. We found the story of the lost sheep. And the way it all starts out is Jesus is sitting down with some tax collectors and some sinners. He's sitting down with people who really need the good news of Jesus. And the truth of that story is, man, that's my story. That's your story. right? Like We're those jacked up, broken people. So if you're here today and you've got some issues, here's what you need to know. You're in great company. Because God didn't come for perfect people. He came for the sick. He came for the broken. He came for those who needed him. And that's us. That's every single one of us. So Jesus sits down with these tax collectors and these sinners, and as he begins to teach and he begins to talk to them, these religious leaders got angry. They begin to get frustrated. And as they get frustrated, what it really reveals is their understanding of how good God is. Because when you and I don't understand the magnitude of what God does for us, we'll become very critical of people who don't know God yet. So they get frustrated, and Jesus says, well, let me tell you a story. There's a guy, and he's got a hundred sheep. And he loses one of them. How many sheep does he have left? 99. The five of you that participated. I'm going to ask you again, and you're going to help me out. He had 100 sheep. He loses one. How many does he have left? 99. Come on. Y'all are amazing. 99 sheep left. But what he doesn't do is he doesn't go, man, praise God, I got 99 left. Sucks for that one. He goes, no. He goes, no, we got to find it. So the shepherd leaves the 99. He goes after the one, and when he finds that one sheep, he grabs it, and he throws it on his shoulders, and he carries it back home. And as he gets home, he throws a party. He celebrates. Everything's amazing. And Jesus says, that's, what's heaven. that's what heaven's like. See, heaven rejoices when one sinner who is lost becomes found. But then Jesus doesn't think they understand it. So he goes to tell them another story. But let me ask you this. Have you ever lost something before? I mean, like something of... Value. So for me, I was serving as a youth pastor and I needed a computer, didn't have a computer, but uh, the church had got me a MacBook. And I thought this was back in like 2012. And so I was like, oh man, your boy's got a MacBook, right? So I thought I was, I was the business. Here's the problem. I got home one day and realized, opened my book bag, ain't no MacBook in there. It was gone. I had lost it. And here's what I didn't want. I wasn't going to tell my pastor I lost the MacBook that they had just got me, right? So I'm I'm freaking out because it had value to me. But it didn't just have value to me. It had value to other people as well. Thankfully, I had left it at a Starbucks and they had, somebody turned it in. Hallelujah. That's called favor. (laughs) But, But picked up that which was lost and now become found. I have a MacBook back. See, we've all lost things. And God's trying to help us understand his perspective from heaven of what it looks like when something is lost and it needs to be found. So Jesus starts out with 100 and they lose one. Now they got 99. Jesus doesn't think they get it. So this is what he says again. It says, or, this is verse 8 of Luke chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be available on the screen. Or suppose 
A woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Right, so Jesus was like, all right, maybe they didn't get 100. Let's try 10. So she starts out with 10 coins. She loses one. How many does she have left? Nine coins left. She's not satisfied with the fact that one coin is lost. She says this. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I've found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus has told you and I a story to illustrate an example of what it looks like to be lost and to be found. And he transitions from using sheep to using money. And as I was reading through this passage of Scripture and I was preparing for this, one of the things that I really felt like the Lord was talking to me about is our understanding of what he did for us on the cross. Because here's what I know. A lot of people, even in America, because it's still culturally acceptable. Uh, team, can we turn my mic down just a little bit? Because it's still culturally acceptable, um, people claim to follow Jesus left and right. But the truth is, when you look at someone's life, it may not line up with the fact that they actually follow God. Because there are two types of people in the world. There are people who are lost, and there are people who are found. In the eyes of God, there are two types. You are either lost or you are found. And what the world would try and get us to do is say, well, there's this in-between phase where we're trying to figure it out, not how it works. You're either lost or you're found. And so if you're taking notes this morning, the first thing I want you to write down is you can be in the house and still be lost. So we live in the Bible Belt. We live in the South where church attendance is, uh, some people say it's decreasing. I, I, I don't agree with that wholeheartedly because I'm watching churches all across the world thrive. But just because you come to church, it doesn't mean you're a follower of Jesus. Right, so we live in a culture where you're in the house, right? For some of you, you show up to church every single week. You're coming to church faithfully. Uh, you grew up in a house where your mom and your dad loved Jesus. Grandma loved Jesus. You, you grew up, you, you're doing good things. You're serving, you're giving. You're in the house, but you're still lost. Because coming to church doesn't make you a follower of Jesus any more than going to Chick-fil-A makes you a chicken sandwich. Closed on Sunday. Sorry. <laughs> on my Kanye. All right. So you and I have to understand this because you can be in the house and still be lost. Jesus is giving you and I a picture, I think, because he wants to make sure that you and I don't think we're found and actually end up lost. Because this is what Jesus says in Matthew. He, he, he's talking to people. He says, I want you to know, in heaven, this is a scenario that's going to happen. Many people are going to come, and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We came to church, and we sang songs. We cast out demons in your name. We were a part of a small group. We were a part of giving. We helped to do all those things. And I'll look at them, and I'll say, turn from me. I never knew you. Jesus was really clear that the road to him is really narrow. And I think there's a lot of people in the church who are in the house, but who are still lost. 
And the goal of this morning is not for you to question your salvation for the last 15, 20, 40 years. The goal is to make sure that you're you understand that all of us start on the equal playing field and we are all lost. But thankfully, God gave us a way to become found. So how are we in the house and we're still lost? Well, the truth is, I don't think we have a really good understanding of this term, sin. We've all got it. Look at what Romans 3.23 says. For all, turn to somebody and say all. All right, 50% participation. That was okay. Let's try it again. Turn to the other person and say all. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You and I have an equal playing field because all of us have sinned and fallen short. We've all messed up. We've all made mistakes. And all of us don't begin our lives found. That's Genesis chapter 1 and 2. You were found in the beginning. But because of sin, we're now separated, which means we start out lost. When you're born, you're born into a broken, fallen, and sinful world. We are all lost from day one. We've all sinned. And you might be thinking, well, my pastor, like, you know, let's, let's, what does sin really mean? Well, this is what sin is. Sin is any lack of conformity to the moral character of God or the laws of God. So we sin by thinking evil, speaking evil, acting evil, or even just not doing Good. All of us have sinned. And I could go through all the laws with you today. Uh, we, not, not at the 1030, right? We'd need a little more time than that. But like, let's just hit, God gave us the 10 commandments, so let's hit some of the top 10, right? The first one of the 10 commandments is, thou shalt put no other gods before me. Now on the surface level, I go, man, I got that one. Check, check the box off. Let's move to the next one. Except... Uh, I've just kind of noticed something in my own life. You probably don't struggle with this at all. But from time to time, I tend to spend more time on social media than I do reading Scripture. Which would mean that I've placed a higher priority on my social presence or my social platform than I do my relationship with God. Which would mean that I've put a God before Him. We've all sinned. Now, maybe that's not your issue, right? Maybe we'll just move on to another one. So the next one is thou shalt not commit murder, right? Let's talk about that one for a second. I would venture to guess that at least 75% of you in this room could say, never killed anyone. (laughs) Maybe a higher percentage. I think 75 is just a good ballpark. But Jesus in the New Testament will come to share with you and I, and as he's talking to the people, he says, you know the commandment that says thou shalt not commit murder? That's great. But I want to let you know what the new covenant looks like, and, and it looks like this. If anyone has hate in his heart towards another person, he's already committed murder. Now, I don't know about you, but I live in Richfield off of 49. You know how many times I get stuck behind a tractor? There is hate in a brother's heart sometimes. We've all sinned. Equal playing field. I shall not covet. Right? I saw somebody in the lobby during the 9 a.m. who had some new uh, Yeezy butters on. And, I, man, something in my heart was just like, I, if you don't know what those are, those are shoes. Um, and I wanted them so bad, right? 
jealousy, envy. I don't know what your sin issue is. Here's what I do know. Every single one of us have sinned. Equal playing field across the board. It's not about being perfect or being good. You and I start our lives from the position of being lost. For we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6 says this. We have all become like one who is unclean. And all of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. So some people take that scripture and they're like, you're a polluted garment. No, no, no. Your, your works are like a polluted garment. Because God's desire is not that you work hard enough to become to transition from being lost to being found. You can't work hard enough. Yeah. It says that we all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. In other words, there's a separation created because of sin. So the reason why we need to lay the foundation this morning is because some people will come in and they'll be like, Pastor, we really want, give us something deeper. We want more. We want more. Here's the thing. If you don't understand and have a good foundation, you're going to drown in the shallow end trying to head to the deep end. You got to get the gospel right. You got to get Jesus right first, and then we can move on to other stuff later. But there's a whole lot of people in the house that are still lost. We've got to realize, number one, that we have all sinned. And because if we don't understand our own sinfulness, if we don't understand our own depravity, we will never understand the goodness of God. And so there's a lot of people who think they know about God's goodness, but you can't know about God's goodness if you don't understand that you were jacked up, messed up, and God chose to still pursue you. Number two, a lost coin still has value. A lost coin still has value. So there's two types of people. There are those who are lost, and there are those who are found. Jesus uses the illustration of a coin, because if you lose a coin, that coin doesn't lose its value. I have a $20 bill here with me, and, um, and this $20 bill is worth how much? <laughs> Y'all are good. It's got Jackson on the front of it, because a coin, just like this bill, bears the mark of someone. There's an image on it. This image is one of the first things that determines its value. Its value was decided by its creators. So God uses a coin because he wants us to know that a lost coin still has value. Translation, lost people still matter to God. They still have value in the eyes of God. So if I take this $20 bill and I fold it up, does it still have value? If I crumble it up, does it still have value? If I step on it, does it still have value? If I lose it, does it still have value? See, some of us are there today. Like your life looks like you've been crumbled up, stepped on, trampled over, maybe dirty and filthy. But what you need to know is that you still have value to God. Because you bear his image. Look at what Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 says. So God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Both male and female, he created them. The reason why you and I have value, yes, we are absolutely flawed. We have sin. But we were made and created in the image of God. 
the mark that we bear is the one of our creator. And so when God looks at a world and he sees people who are lost, he's not frustrated about the fact that they're lost. What he's frustrated, what he, what he wants to do is redeem that which is lost because it has value to him. It carries his image. And here's the thing, a lost $20 bill will never fulfill its intended purpose. See, we're, we're, we live in a world where, where we're lost, but we're still searching for purpose and for meaning. And until you become found, your value will never become complete. Because value is found in living out what God created you to do in the first place. So here at Propel Church, one of the things that we say is we want you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Like, that's the four things. The first thing you need to know is the way that you transition from being lost to being found is only through Jesus. And as God saves you, that's the first step. Salvation is step number one, to transition from being lost to being found. But then we talk about finding freedom. Yeah, your life may look like this, so what we we need to do is we need to get some of those wrinkles out. We need to walk through this process called sanctification, which is where you become more like Christ. It's the process, and you're going to live in that until the day you die. So if your expectation was to transition from being lost to being found and then become perfect, you will settle for religion rather than having a relationship. God wants to mold you and craft you until you go be with him. We talk about discovering your purpose. You have value even when you're lost. You just don't know it until you get bought by God. Until you understand that you're found in him, you begin to understand your real value. And then to make a difference is to live out that value to make a difference in the world. So look at what Luke 15 verse 8 says. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and she loses one of them. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search for it carefully until she finds it? So there's no concept in this passage of scripture that would say that there's an expectation for the coin to find itself. For the coin has no ability to transition from being lost to being found on its own. It needed something to take place So God gives us the picture of a woman who first lights a lamp. Because when you're lost, you're in darkness. And the only way for darkness to flee is for light to come in. So God sends Jesus into the world because he is the light of the world to shine light where there is currently darkness. Then she sweeps the floor. And these are not like the normal floors that that you and I have. This is no hardwood, no linoleum or tile. No, these were dirt floors and straw was spread out everywhere. And so as she begins to look, if you've ever dropped something in a bed of straw, you would know. Man, it's incredibly difficult to find something. So she begins to sweep the house because she desires to find this coin. So she has to put in a little bit of work, and that's exactly what Jesus did. Look at what John 3.16 says. For this is how God loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son. Light is coming into darkness so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So so it doesn't say that if we're lost, if if we are, for example, this $20 bill, it doesn't say that if we work hard enough, if we first figure out our value, if we first come to church, if we first do anything. No, no, no. It says, look, if you want to not perish but have eternal life, if you want to not be lost in the house and you want to be found, there's only one way to do it. 
And it's accepting what Jesus did for you on the cross. The transition from being lost to being found happens this way. Anyone or everyone who believes in him. So notice the first passage we read in Romans said that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And now in John 3.16 we read that everyone who believes in him will not perish. That's the best news you could ever read. Because yes we have sinned but God made a way. Everyone in him would not perish but have eternal life. This verse 17 is one of my favorites. That God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. Sometimes we get wrapped up in our own head because we're like this $20 bill and we've been crumbled up, we've been stepped on, and we've been lost for so long that we think really God's mad because we ended up lost. He knew you were lost. And he chose to pursue you. He knew you had faults, and he chose to come after you anyways. God knew that you were jacked up, messed up, and had issues, and he was like, I want them. So Jesus came, and Jesus lived a sinless life. He would live that life so that you and I could actually be set free. Because what Scripture teaches us is that the payment of sin is death. So we've all sinned. And fallen short of the glory of God. Which means we all deserve to die for that sin. But God would look down from heaven and love you and I so much that he would send Jesus to live. Jesus lives a sinless life. The cross that he carries is my cross and your cross. Those nails that Jesus was nailed to the cross with, those were my nails and your nails. Because the death he died is the death that we deserve. God literally kills his son so that he doesn't have to kill you. And by accepting what Jesus did for us on the cross, we transition from being lost to being found. It's not by working hard. It's not by doing enough or even being a good person. Because there are going to be plenty of good people that end up in hell. Why? Because they don't know Jesus. Last thing you need to know this morning is that God doesn't stop until he finds you. One of the things that I love about this woman's pursuit in Luke chapter 15 is that she sweeps the entire house until she finds it. First Peter says that God's desire is that none would perish. So his goal is to continue pursuing you and I until we realize he's there in transition between from being lost to being found. So it reminds me of a story. Um, so I have a lead foot. Anybody got a lead foot in here? Right. So been driving for a couple of years and have anywhere from like 1 to 12 speeding tickets. You, you deduct <laughs> where that number falls. Man, I, I, I like to drive and I like to drive fast. Um, and so I was driving one morning and was heading to do something for the church and, and uh, was I listen to a lot of worship music. So uh, my car rides look a whole lot like this. You know, you got the one hand on the wheel and then one hand in the air. We praise on Jesus, right? People think you're waving, but you're not. You're just worshiping. So, so I'm worshiping Jesus. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Mm, come on. So like I'm worshiping. And then all of a sudden I look up and I realize that there's a police officer behind me. His lights are going. And uh, I knew what I did. It's what I always get pulled over for, right? So, <laughs> So it was oh no, what did I do? No, I knew, I knew, I knew exactly what it was. But, but here's the thing, though. Apparently, he had been following me for a little while because he had three buddies with him. Like, 
they were rolling pretty deep at this point. And so I pull over to the side of the road, and he comes up pretty aggressive. And uh, sir, I've been following you for the last 10 minutes. What are you doing? I'm, sir, I'm, you know, one hand here worshiping. I'm like praising Jesus. And he totally gave me a ticket that day, right? Like he, he, wasn't, he wasn't having it. Um, so I apologize. You know, I wasn't trying to run from you. I just didn't know you were there. And so we, we talked uh, about it the whole time. So I get home, and I'm mad, right? Even though I know I've messed up, even though I know, like, yes, uh, I was speeding. I broke the law. I did wrong. I still f- was frustrated because there was a punishment involved in it. Right? Isn't, isn't that what sin's like? Yeah. <laughs> or like, we know we messed up. We know we did something wrong. And then consequences come, and we're like, oh, can you believe it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's how life works. But God began to speak to me in that frustration. And what he said is, Nick, that that police officer is actually a whole lot like me. Because I've been pursuing you the entire time and you just realized it in a moment. And I think there's a lot of us in here today who we've been lost. We've been in the house. But because we've never placed our belief in what Jesus did for us on the cross... And God's still been pursuing us, but we've never turned around to acknowledge that he's there. God has been chasing you down. He's been coming after you over and over and over again. But what's required is for you and I to believe that what he did for us on the cross was sufficient to cover our sin. This is what Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says. For it's by grace you have been saved. Grace is God's unmerited favor. It's God knowing that you and I were lost. It's God knowing that there was no way for you and I to rescue ourselves. So he turns on the light and he picks up a broom. And he begins to sweep through the house, doing whatever it took to find you and to find me. That's the grace of God. And if you ever get to the place where you feel like, man, I don't deserve it, you're right. You don't. But you know the best news? So we talked about value. Talked about how value is determined, one, by the mark that it it carries. You know the second way we know value? Based on what someone's willing to pay for it. And God was willing to give up everything so that he could have a relationship with you and I. That's grace. Did we deserve it? Nope. Is it fair? Nope. Thankfully, God gives us what we don't deserve. Because what we do deserve is death. But instead, through Jesus, what we get is life. He says, whereby grace, you've been saved through faith. That's it. It's not for by grace you've been saved through works. It's not by grace you've been saved through church attendance, although those are important. It's not by grace through giving that you're saved. No, no, no. It's by grace through faith that you and I have been saved. And the reason why many people are lost in the house is because they're trying to be saved by grace and something else. The only way you and I are saved It's by grace, through faith. And then Paul says, and this is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, 
not as a result of works, so that none can boast. So why did we do that this morning? Why did, what? Because if we don't get this right, nothing else works. Because I think there are far too many churches that are filled with lost people who come every Sunday. And if you've been placing your hope and trust in anything other than Jesus' payment for your sins on the cross, you're still lost today. But the best news of all is that you can become found. So here's what I want to do. With every head bowed, every eye closed in the room for a moment, I'm going to give you an exercise on hearing from God. I have had the opportunity to do this with pastors all around the world. Because you know what's interesting is Jesus says that there'll be people who prophesy in my name and I'll say, turn from me. I never knew you. So there are pastors and teachers, people you see on stage on Sunday are not exempt from that list. The question I'm about to have you ask the Lord is, am I lost or am I found? And I've watched people who have served Jesus faithfully for 50 years hear the word lost. And you can be bent out of shape about what you hear today, or you can rejoice in the fact that there's an opportunity to transition from being lost to being found. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask, say, Lord, am I lost or am I found? And I believe that the Lord will speak to you because he wants to give you clarity. He wants you to leave here today knowing which one of the two categories you fall in, lost or found. If you're in here today and you heard lost and you want to make a decision for Jesus to become found today in this moment, would you just boldly lift your hand for a second and say, that's me. I see those all around this room. Here's what we're going to do, church. No one prays alone. We're all going to pray together. Will you say this with me? Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen.